1: Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to Betting Weekly, the English Premier League edition. I'm your host, Harry Simeon. I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by the two main men once again. Uh, First up, Jack Wright. How are you, my friend?
2: I'm very well, thanks, Harry. Yeah, busy, busy week, which has been nice. Lots of action, Premier League action. You know, I like a bit of lower league in in England, EFL stuff. That's been a full programme this week. Champions League, Europa League. Loads of content on Because We Win, tennis, everything's going on. Mad, love it. And there we go again for another another full weekend
1: this weekend. Indeed we do. Also joining us at the main man over at MrBetRivers.com is uh, Mr uh, Nigel Seeley. How are you, sir? How's it going? I'm all
0: right, mate. Yeah, not bad at all. Like I say, busy week, Jack, with the old uh, Champions League coming back. I haven't really got into the Champions League yet. I mean, it's, I think I will do uh, the next set of fixtures I've got in my eye. I want to get with Real Madrid against Liverpool in the next set of features. But the first few was that I didn't really get too excited about it really. I found it really hard to to have a bet on it. I think we're coming to a crucial part of the season now where tactically teams are a little bit more different. You know, teams at the bottom are protecting what they've got a little bit and trying to get nick points rather than going for wins and teams at the top in particular your side Arsenal getting a little bit nervy, you know. Um I think it's I think it's a difficult time for betters now. I think the last couple of weeks if you looked at the um The P and L figures for the bookmakers and bet rivers, I think they would have had a good couple of weeks. I think it's uh, quite a difficult time. I think it's getting to that
2: point as well where sides are now getting some priorities. You can see that there's no chance win the league, or you know they've got that something's kind of in the bag, not going to go down, or you know is it going to be the FA Cup? Can they can they go somewhere in Europe? What are they going to go for? Games coming thick and fast, and rotated sides and stuff. So, uh, yeah, tread with caution. Lots um, lots uh, of other um, circumstances to take into account for sure.
1: Indeed, the rotation of sides I think is key as well. Uh, with, as you say, the return of European competition and all the rest of it. Uh, let's have a quick check in on the uh, Betting Weekly Handicappers League table. Uh, the League Earn Boys are out in front. Uh, Serie A, uh, Daniele Fisichella on fire in second place. And we, the EPL show, are down in third. Um, but I wanted to give a shout out uh, to Steve uh, and James, the uh, League Earn Boys, who went seven uh, wins to zero um and the best uh week of the season so far this weekend and of course to Ruri over on the la liga show who uh went five and zero this weekend i mean nigel these boys are on fire
0: yeah i mean everybody is i mean are there i mean obviously there's a couple of leagues there which which are negative i'm sure la liga will be positive by the end of the the season uh the, the europa league has always been pro- proven quite difficult <laughs> but i mean the french boys have been so consistent throughout the year i mean i'll give you the, i'll give you the figures of all three of the top shows here just to show you i mean if you're a, if you're a professional bet on soccer if you make about 5% that's that's a good return you know you, if you, if you made 3% or 2% on soccer um Bookmakers would, would look at you as a, as a, as a, someone they wouldn't be able to make money off, and you would probably be restricted. So, five percent is a, is a fantastic return. It's, it's what most people try to emulate. If you can get five percent return on soccer, that's a good return. I'll give you some figures to show you how good that uh, Steve has been. Um, Stephen and, and James on the La Liga show, sorry, the Liga show, they've given one hundred ninety two bets this season. They've got nineteen point eight three units in profit. Which is an ROI of eleven point seven seven percent. So that's uh, you know when you when you think banks pay you one percent, eleven point seven seven percent is what you're getting for the French. So on, on the Italian show, fewer fewer bets, hundred and twenty bets, fewer profit, thirteen point three four profit, but a better return of investment, eleven point nine one percent. So that's again that is way 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 higher of the benchmark. And for us, it's one hundred and fifty one bets, uh, nine point eight four units of profit, and seven point two four percent ROI the ROI is probably more important than the points profit for me if you look at someone who's got a much better ROI and you've got to think that you know some people on Twitter boast about their ROI and boast about their bets those three figures are those three figures are cumulative are around about nine percent return and that is on almost 500 bets to make nine percent now that is phenomenal that is better than and the other thing is a lot of people who do these kind of shows who come on, no one keeps tracks track of the records like we do. They have an odd idea. They do it properly. I mean, the boys will tell you everything goes into a WhatsApp group. It's also a spreadsheet through every single record calculator, which is done behind the scenes. So we're totally transparent. And to get 9% return on investment is, is just best best you can, you can get. So obviously we have bad weeks and obviously we get criticism. Everybody gets criticism and have bad weeks. But those three leagues there, honestly, that is that is – Way, way, way better than than you would expect. And that is not over a small sample. 500 bets is a decent enough sample. So, halfway through the season, about 9% return combined uh, and phenomenal efforts from uh, the French lads and Daniele on Italy, uh, almost 12% return investment. That's just superb.
2: It's the knowledge backing those bets up as well, I think, is phenomenal. When you listen to these guys talking that absolutely all over it uh, with the detail, yeah, you know, it's it's a it's an education as as well. You know, it's a great
1: great watch stroke listen. So really well done on them. Yeah, absolutely, and long may it continue. I'm sure it will uh, between now and the end of the season. Uh, let's dive into uh, this weekend's bets then. Uh, Premier League uh, full card of action uh, again. Uh, Jack, I'm going to start with you because you've gone for a pick in uh, the early game between Aston Villa and Arsenal on Saturday. That was already a big game, but it's become even <laughs> bigger off the back of Arsenal dropping points last night.
2: It has, yeah, a massive game now. Obviously, Arsenal down a second, but only on goal difference. And I'm sure all those Arsenal fans out there at the start of the season, if you were offered to go into this stage of the season... With level on points of Manchester City, second place, and um, with a game in hand, only behind on goal difference, you'd have snatched the handoff. Obviously, it's been a little bit of a wobble in the last uh, few weeks, so definitely need to get back on track in this one. One point from the last three league games, uh, no wins in the last four in all competitions. So, yeah, anyone who saw, uh, I did a little short on uh, on um, at because we win on our Twitter handle yesterday, um, highlighting this bet. It was on my radar for the Man City game. Um and it was also on my radar for this one. I did wonder that if uh you know he hit the the, the bet is Bakaya Saka to have a shot on target. And um if he hit last night, which he did, the price would crash for this one. It has held its odds of minus one one three, which is a great price. I was very surprised to see it at that. So it was on the on the radar ahead of the uh, Man City game. Um so going in again on it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh two right. Um so, I think there's no better player for Arsenal at the moment than where you need to dust yourself off, keep a level head and then then go ahead, then Saka. He just seems that kind of guy that nothing phases him. We've seen him deal with adversity already with the fact of, you know, missing the penalties in the Euros and getting dogs abuse for that, which was terrible. Um, and he's bounced back from that. And you saw it last night. I did wonder for a moment if uh, Odegaard was going to take that pen because he had it under his arm. But uh, handed it over to Saka, all, you know, a long wait cool head, slotted it in the corner. Fantastic stuff. So um, I'm siding with him here. Look, both these sides have suffered 3-1 defeats to Man City in their last two games. Um, I went with Saka last night because of the fact that Man City have got issues down that left-hand side. And I think Arsenal should and could have um, utilised him more than that with Bernardo Silva getting tied in knots with him and didn't know how to deal with him. Um, Villa have got two left-backs. So they've got kind of the opposite uh, problem to Man City, but they're kind of not quite sure which is the best option to go with. So um, we've found Dina has been there the last couple of games, um, but he got hooked after after 60 minutes in the last game against City and picked up a yellow card against Mares, who was on the right-hand side. Mares had three shots in that game, one on target, scored a goal, missed a big chance as well. So it shows that that area was exploited last week, expected to be exploited again this week. Um, If it's not, um Dina, then Moreno will come into that position as well, where he, he did play against um Southampton um, uh, and replaced uh Dina because he was injured and also he did against Leeds as well. So I think it's a toss-up between the two. I'm not too fussed which one they pick. Um there's, there's pluses and minuses, but they're definitely better going forward than they are defending, which is um gonna give Saka an opportunity to say to get on the score sheet again. But all we need him to do is have a shot on target, and he's been on fire since the World Cup. Eight league games he's had. Um, he's had nine shots on target in those games, at least one in seven of those and in uh, at least one in all the last four. So nice odds, minus one, one, three. I was very happy to get on board with that.
0: Nice one. Um, Just before we move on to that game, um, uh, move off that game, Harry, I mean, as an Arsenal fan, how how, how do you feel that Arsenal will, will galvanise themselves? I mean, we, I spoke last week about how Man City bounced back. I think this is a I think for for Arsenal this game is more important than the Man City game. I think it's this is massive now. I think every game is massive now but it's to show you that how you bounce back in a game that you're expected to win. You know that was a free shot against Man City last night wasn't it you know if, if they got beat well we still got a game in hand we can still win it if they won okay we we're, we're, we're six points clear if they drew we'll take a draw it was like a free hit. This is the game that I feel that the pressure's on them you know and they're minus 125 now, you're an Arsenal fan. You watch them all season. You watch them play every single week. You watch them, you know, you get out, you put your Arsenal pyjamas on, you put, you put your Arsenal <laughs> dressing gown on. You eat out. your, you eat your cereal out of your Arsenal breakfast bowl. But um, at minus 125, would you bet them?
1: No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Um, I'm concerned by Arsenal's recent run of form. I know that there was a lot made of the VAR decision at the weekend that cost them. And yeah, ultimately, that would have changed the outcome of the game. But the performance levels have just dropped so significantly. There's a lot of players in that team that are looking tired, that are looking leggy. Um, Mikel Arteta has resisted making changes, but I think against Villa, he's going to have to make a couple. Um, Leandro Trossard's probably going to come in. I'd imagine from the start, Martinelli's been off the boil. Saka yeah. definitely starts, in my opinion. So, Jack's right to go uh, with what he's gone with. And he is Arsenal's biggest threat. But there is concern about how quickly Arsenal can bounce back. And Villa away, early kickoff, not an easy mm. game. And you add the Unai Emery factor into it as well. Uh, former Arsenal manager didn't really have a great time at the club, particularly towards the end of his tenure. And... I think he felt hard done by with the way he was treated. And I think he's got a point to prove he's already dumped Arsenal out of the Europa League at the semi-final stage since uh, leaving the job and taking up another one. I'm, I'm I'm not confident about Arsenal's chances here at all. Not
0: I, at all. I, I, I agree with you. I was looking at a way to oppose Arsenal in this game, but obviously last night on the back of the performance last night, the, the line of Villa's cut massively uh, prior to the game. You could have got a, a nice price, but um, I, I, I worry about Arsenal in the next two fixtures. They've got Leicester away as well after that. They were playing well. Madison's coming back. And, you know, we know Leicester can rise the occasion. And I just think at home they're be all right. But I, I think they look vulnerable now on the road. And I think they look a bit, bit deflated. And I, I agree with you. I, I, I feel that what promises to be such a good season for Arsenal could really, really sort of capitulate very quickly in the next few months. And then, you know, you know well, they're gonna, it's going to be a great season whatever happens. But... I just got a feeling that Man City could run away with this very quickly in in the next sort of five or six games. I really do.
1: Yeah, there's been a massive momentum shift. I think off the back of last night, and although the points uh, situation is not the end of the world, it's it's the momentum shift that I think concerns people most. And you mentioned Villa away, Leicester away, and then that game in hand is next up midweek against Everton at Emirates Stadium, who have already proven that they know how to stifle Arsenal. So. Yeah, big uh, big couple of weeks coming up.
2: What did you make of Arteta's body language last night? I, I only watched it on TV, so you only got snippets, and maybe it was what they wanted you to see, but it just seemed a little bit kind of subdued from what he's normally like, a little bit kind of inferiority complex, maybe. I don't know. Maybe over-egging it a little bit, but it just seemed that it wasn't his usual kind of self with with like Pep, obviously, in, in the other dugout.
1: Yeah, I think there was a little bit, there was an element of disappointment. I asked Mikel Arteta in the press conference last night what he thought contributed to the second half going the way it did. Was it Arsenal dropping their level? Was it Man City really upping theirs? Kind of where does he see that it changed? It? He said it was a bit of both, but you could sense a real disappointment in his team's performance in that second half. And I think you could see it in his yeah. body language. I also think though as well, he's had a lot of stick and a lot of criticism for being really sort of animated <laughs> on the touchline. And I think against, Manchester City, a club that he's got respect for against Pep Guardiola, a manager that he's got a lot of respect for. I thought we saw a little bit more of a reserved version of Mikel Arteta last night. I think you're right. Um, Let's take it on then. Uh, Let's move to the Saturday 3pm fixtures here in the UK. Um, Nigel, uh, Brentford against Crystal Palace is a game that's tickled your fancy and Jack... Uh, is also interested in this one but we'll start with you Nigel.
0: Yeah, I won't I won't go on too long cuz I will probably take all the stuff that we spoken a bit of time there about the Arsenal game but I'll probably take most of the stuff that Jack's going to say so I'll let Jack sort of share some of these kind of things with me. I think that currently on on current form, you know, I always say to you I, I think teams are underrated and overrated by bookmakers. You know, um bettors have uh, rating systems and you know, you look at you know, people look at the XGs and models and stuff like that. I have a, I have a rating system on tennis where I can pick any player. So if I have the best player at 100 and I have another player at 10, that player should be minus 1,000 against that guy. If a, if a guy at 100 and a guy at 50, it should be minus 200. I do I do a similar kind of thing at the start of the season for football and I adjust it as, as we go along to the season. We, we adjust it. The one that's made the biggest adjustment this season for me is Brentford and one that's made one of the biggest adjust, adjustments the other way is Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace have been a big mover backwards and Brentford have been a big upward rising. Uh, Brentford are in touch of uh, European football and they thoroughly deserve it. The manager is how he's never gets linked with any other big jobs. I I will never know. I mean, I I mean what he's done at that club and, and whether, he, whether he's just bought into the system and he just loves where he is, but I think he did a bit of that, but he's been magnificent. Um, Ivan Tony, I mean, He's, he's, I've been hearing for weeks that he's going to be banned. That he's still. He <laughs> keeps, he's probably had a bet on whether he's going to get banned yeah. or not. When it'll be done, but it seems to be there every week. They've they've only lost once at home this season, which was against Arsenal. Uh, they've only lost once in their last twelve matches. Um, they've won their last three at home, really convincing. And the biggest, biggest criticism was that they they never really beat the better teams. Uh, sorry, the, the lower teams, they always raise their game against the bigger teams. or well, that myth has been blown away in, in recently. Yeah. Uh, and they are just massively underrated every week. Crystal Palace are a side that I touched on last week that I think could get drawn into a relegation battle. And I really do. Some of the fixtures they've got coming up, they've got some really, really massive games. Brighton away, Liverpool, they've got um, Manchester City, I think. And they've got this one here. Some really, really tough games for, for Crystal Palace. No wins in the last seven. Six of the last eight, they've failed to score in the road. Their road form is shocking. Um, I don't know if Sahar will be back. I think Sahar probably he's not back. So Sahar's no. not back. That's another big blow for them. I can't see where they're going to score, whereas Brentford just absolutely on fire at the moment, especially at home. And I And I feel that minus 115 is a real derogatory price to Brentford here. I would expect them to be at least minus 125, possibly even minus 130. So um yeah Brentford strong pick for me minus 115 to beat Crystal Palace two teams going in total opposite directions and Palace really are in trouble of relegation 10 to 1 is a big big price
1: Jack uh, you've gone for the same uh, pick yeah. on this game anything to sort of add to what Nigel said
2: um is that the same bet exactly the same reasons um <sighs> There was a lot made of the, the the decision last week against Arsenal. I think you already touched on it, that Brentford gave as good as they got for that game. And yes, that decision was wrong. But, you know, they, they hit the bar. Rico Henry missed a B opportunity. and Buemo had a goal disallowed, which possibly might not have been, uh, should have been. Um, and they're, they're a threat. Like I said, we, we've talked about it all season now. They're one of, becoming one of my go-to sides, absolutely are. Um, they're a threat in open play. They're a threat from set pieces, 15 goals from set pieces now. No side's got more than that. So whichever way you try and block this Brentford side, they've, they've got something in their armoury to, to cause you problems. And if you say Tony's got 14 league goals this season, only Kane and um, Haaland have got more than him. So it shows you, say, what talent they've got in those areas and he's clinical up front. And um, rightly so, Palace are in, in, in free fall. Without Zaha, they they look a, a shadow of that side. Um, whether they rush him back for this or not, I don't know. I, so I read that he was scheduled to be back next week, um, whether he gets on the bench for this one or not. But again, like we said, there's some big games coming up. City, Arsenal, Brighton. Um, it, it's tough. They got battered by Brighton in their last game. They, they only had one shot on target, and that was handed to him on a plate or dropped to him on the plate by Sanchez in Brighton goal. Um only four goals in those nine games that we talked about, so they've got no cutting edge. And Brentford, we've we said they've only conceded two goals in the in those last six. So it shows you they've got things going right at both ends of the pitch, which is a recipe for success. And what I really liked about um, Thomas Frank, the last thing I'll say on it is that his quote after that Arsenal game was quite telling, and I wrote it down. Um, you can't celebrate a point no matter who you are facing but celebrate a good performance, and that was a good performance. So that shows you where his standards are set. He's not not going overly happy about the fact that they've got a point from Emirates. His, his ambitions are higher than that. So um, fair play, no second season syndrome. We've mentioned that before. They're absolutely kicked on, and they're in the same basket as sort of Brighton and Fulham that we've talked about, the massively overachieving and fair play. And this looks great, Price. We've mentioned it before. Lack of respect for Brentford at the moment, and we'll take advantage of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're right to praise Thomas Frank. I think he's fantastic. If I were Tottenham, I'd be all over him uh, ahead of the new season. I'd be looking at him as the uh, successor to Antonio Conte, who's probably uh, going to leave the club. Now, when I had a look through the bets this morning, I wasn't surprised uh, that when Nigel sent his through, that Wolves were included. Uh, Nigel, talked to us uh, about Wolves because <laughs> they take on Bournemouth this weekend.
0: You probably were surprised with the pick. You were probably <laughs> expecting to see HT at the end of it, half <laughs> with, with an X on it. I've given up on that one at the moment. It didn't come through to us last week. But uh, talking about sides that need to be rebased and re, you know, rethought about, Wolves are certainly one of those teams. A club going nowhere um, six, seven weeks ago, prior to the World Cup, actually, Um, they suddenly brought in Lapetegi, turned them around. Offensively looking very, very good. You know, that, that was the one thing they, they always wolves were always solid defensively, but they never looked at any attacking threat at all. Very, very different now on the Lopetegui's Change the system. They look quite entertaining for the first time for a long time. Wolves nice the, the good team to watch. They blitzed Liverpool, didn't they? 3-0 in the last their last time game. They were two lucky very early on and, and blitzed them. And last week, they, what surprised me is the way they came back against Southampton. I mean, Southampton were 1-0 up, down. Walls got down to 10 men early on. And there was a bit of two things. There. there was a bit of the fact that Southampton were dreadful. You know, Nathan Jones obviously lost. But obviously, you've got to take your hat off to Wolves to battle back and deservedly win 2-1. Uh, they should have won probably more in the end. But um, I think that Wolves are a club going direction here. And obviously, Bournemouth, we've spoken so many times, himself and Jack, that we rate them the worst side in the Premier League. Um, they got a draw last time out against Newcastle, which cost me a few quid. Um, but when you break down, it was Eddie Howe going against his former club. I think that Bournemouth probably raised their game for that match. I don't think a trip to Wolves will make them play with the same <laughs> uh, sort of commitment and and uh, you know, the the tempo as they did in that game. I feel that that was a big game for them because of Eddie House, the, the a former manager coming down to the to them. So a trip away has been a problem. A, a trip on the road for Bournemouth has been a problem. Their last nine matches, they've lost. This is all matches. They've lost seven and drawn two. They haven't won in their last nine. Uh, on the road, uh, they've had, they've lost their last seven games and they failed to score in six of them. So that shows you the problem they have. They can't score. They haven't got a striker at this top level to keep them in the league. I think they're doomed. I still think they're finished bottom. Other teams will pick points up. I think that uh, even though Southampton are bottom at the moment and playing atrociously, I think a, a, a change of manager will sort of galvanise them short term. And I think Bournemouth will be the next one to replace their manager. I think he can't last it. They, they need to make a placement soon. I wouldn't be surprised to see Stephen Gerrard go there, actually. That would be my my pick. But anyway, I think I think that they will um Bournemouth is struggling. And I think they're going to resurgent walls. And I, I, I thought Walls on the money line was was quite very, you know, just to win the match was very attractive at round about I think it was minus 140 or something like that. But I thought it was a little bit too low price to put into the to this um i think it's minus no actually it was minus 155 i thought it was a little bit too low to stick in at minus 155 so i decided to go a little bit more adventurous and i went with wolves minus three quarters of a goal on the Asian handicap so um if wolves win by one we only win half our stake uh, if Wolves lose or draw, we obviously lose. But we need Wolves to win by more than one goal to collect on both. But we win half if they win by one goal. I just can't see them losing. I can't see Bournemouth scoring. That's the most important thing here. So I can't see Bournemouth scoring a goal. I would expect Wolves to win probably 2-0, maybe 3-0 if they can. But uh, a resurgent Wolves get another three points. And it'll be a vital three points for them because you know, that will really take them away from those teams at the bottom. So a big, big match for Wolves. Uh, I expect them to get the win and and cement and put the pressure on Bournemouth, who are destined for the drop.
1: We've been saying in the last few weeks that Wolves have had a bit of an upturn in performances without it really translating into results necessarily. But um, Jack, you obviously feel the same because uh, you have backed Wolves as well. Uh, But you've done it with the same game parlay. So talk to us about this one.
2: Yeah, it's in essence uh, the same route in, just a slightly different um, way of working it out, really. I've gone for Wolves to win an under four and a half goals, and that's minus 120. Um, so I'm not expecting a, a, an absolute goal fest here. Um, we've well documented it in the past. So Wolves have certainly improved in that area, um, and we know that Bournemouth have had the odd hiding, but I, I don't expect there to be that many goals in this one which just brings it into a backable price um say so the winter nil was tempting um the asian handicap again was tempting but i just went down this route because it just feels like there's not going to be five or more goals in it um as i said i pulled the trigger on wolves last week more or less instantly regretted it when when they went behind and then had a man sent off three minutes later so 27 minutes on the clock a goal down and 10 men on the field and i'm thinking wow, i need the other two to come in for me and my selections but as nigel said absolute fair play you know we talked about good stuff from wolves and then they've added that to it as well some good resilience they dominate possession in that second half as well so it wasn't as if it was a smash and grab raid with traore just kind of counter attacking with his pace and power um they they dominated the ball created better chances and and obviously got um got two goals with 10 men yes against southampton but it had to be done and uh, and, and very nice indeed a good away win there um so they could go up to 12th with a, with a win here. So that's testament to what Lepetegui's done in that short space of time. They've only lost twice in the league since he's been there, both to both Manchester clubs. So um, no, no shame in that given their current form as well. So five points clear of the drop now. This will put a big buffer between them and Bournemouth with a win here. Massive incentive in front of the home crowd again. Won their last two, beat West Ham here and they beat um, as we then talked about, Liverpool convincingly here as well. So um, probably for the first time this season, Wolves fans are going to be going to the game looking forward to it and with the expectation of picking up three points. So we know about their um, defensive processes. The last twice they've played Bournemouth at Molyneux, They've won to nil. Expect a similar thing again. Like we said, it, this Bournemouth side, yes, credit to them for picking up that point against Newcastle, but on the road, absolutely woeful. Um, can't score goals anyone in, say, in the last... Um, seven that they've scored um six straight defeats in the league um it's just absolutely terrible um but i said that they don't haven't been getting battered that that run of form they have had trips to newcastle chelsea man united brentford and brighton and none of them have seen over four and a half goals in it hence why i was quite confident with the with the play to stick that in um But no clean sheet away from home um, in 13 attempts. And that does include cup competitions and cup competitions in lower league opposition as well. So expect Wolves to score. I'm with Nigel. Probably my correct score prediction would be 2-0. But I'm going Wolves to win under four and a half goals. And we could see another managerial casualty at the end of it. So Lepetegu's not put two on the hit list straight up.
1: (laughs) Indeed. Um, Let's take it on then to uh, Manchester City's game. Obviously, we've touched on what a huge win it was for them last night. Nigel, they take on Nottingham Forest at home. It's probably, if not the perfect game, one of the top three perfect fixtures that they could have hoped for after a gruelling midweek encounter. Uh, Man City versus Nottingham Forest. How do you see this one going?
0: Well, they can rest everyone, can't they? They can rest. They've got, the, they've got the capabilities to rest everyone. They have a Champions League game as well, which is a slight concern uh, in midweek. Um, so that they, they, I, I would expect them to make wholesale changes. But when Man City make wholesale changes, the players that they rested, it's a phenomenal. I expect them to put, start strong, get an early lead, get the win and then rest the players in play. That's what I think will happen here. I don't see any really massive changes to their start 11, but I think they'll probably make three or four and just be like for like, you know, if you change one of the Man City players and bring another one, in, it's another world-class player. So there's a, you know, a World Cup centre-forward sitting on the bench, who's <laughs> causing World Cup finals to come on if, you, if you're struggling. So it just shows you how good they are. Um, I did mention last week about the bounce-back ability factor for Manchester City, how they're just so good at bouncing back, so experienced, and know what to do at this kind of stretch. And I think that's always been my belief, why I think I've always been quite confident to win the Premier League, because they, they've seen it, done it, and they know what to do. And I, you know, I thought a team like Arsenal who haven't done it would find the pressure on them a little bit. A young squad, they'll learn from it. They'll come back stronger. But I always thought that Man City would be able to hit a stride and win 10 on the bounce. And that's the kind of thing I expect. I expect them just to go on a, a monumental winning run in the Premier League. I mean, they are the best team in the Premier League. There's no doubt about it. They have the best squad in it. Uh, We've got to find out whether they win the league in the courtroom. But on the pitch, I think they yeah. will win the league. Um, the bet here I like is Manchester City minus one and a half. Uh, so Manchester City to win by two goals. I was quite surprised it was minus 110. It really was. Um, I thought that'd be a lot lower. Uh, if you look at them earlier in the season, they played Nottingham Forest. I know Nottingham Forest had just come into the Premier League, but they, bat- they battered them 6-0. They were, I think, four nil up at half-time. Five- um, mm. Haaland got the hat-trick. Uh, Haaland's on fire. Haaland will love playing these. He'll, 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 he'll score a load... Goals against these again. I'll see you'll score again against these, but the, the line will be so low. Nona Forest have had a really good start to this year. They have improved massively, but they've been beating teams in or around them, in the bottom half sides. When you look at their record against teams in the top half of the, um, sorry, the, the top four in the Premier League, so they, teams Newcastle, Man City, Arsenal, Manchester United this season, including Cup games, they've played those teams in the top five times this season. Uh, they've lost every single one. They haven't scored a goal and they've caught, and they've conceded 21 goals. So when they're up against the top teams in the division, they usually find it a little bit tough. And they, you know, But when the team's in or around them at home at a city ground, they can get results. Uh, I think if you looked at... Um, Steve Cooper looks at this match. I think he's prioritising other games coming up rather than this one. I think he thinks, you know, if we... If we get beat. I think a lot of teams at the bottom of the table do do that. They prioritise games. I know Sean Dyche has said that before when he was at Burnley. If they played Man City, they would always beat them away. He would he not He would rest players for the game the following week against teams in the relegation zone because he knew whatever he did, he, he couldn't match them. Probably a defeatist attitude, but it's certainly in the mind of, of, these, of these sides. The other thing, if you look at Manchester City away from home against teams in the bottom six this season, they went to Leeds one three one, they went to Wolves one three nil. They went to uh, West Ham or one two nil. Now, not the Forest, a bottom seven, but all intents and purposes, there's not much between Leeds, Wolves, West Ham, and not in the Forest, is there really? They're, they're all sort of a similar level. Uh, the last two games, they've won three one, so cleared that one and a half goal market. And I just expect Man City to just do what they do, hit that accelerator button, go on a winning run. Try to get as many points in the bag before the Champions League seriousness comes around, and try to try to have the title done before they get to say the semi-finals of the Champions League. And I think that's what Guardiola's plan has always been to be done. Huge win in midweek. Um, a lot of teams will struggle from that. I mean, we didn't even touch about that on the Arsenal game. We didn't the intensity of that game. and didn't get asked a bit of an early kickoff. It's far from I ideal. Didn't, I didn't even think about that at the time. Uh, so that's another big factor for them. But I think Man City are a different beast in terms of any other team in the Premier League that they could rest nine of their players and still pull out a squad that would be. That's why they win the FA Cup every year and that's why they do so well in the Carabao Cup. So um, Man City for me, minus one and a half. against not in the Forest, minus one ten.
2: I think with City as well, we're used to them having these massive winning streaks and they normally come sort of around Christmas, January time. And we're going, Oh, they're not, not quite at it this season. We're kind of forgetting the, obviously we're on a different season. We're on a bit of a different time scale. And uh, we're now kind of coming into that time where city do normally put the, put the pedal to the metal. And we've seen it in the last couple of weeks where, Diaz and Laporte have been out of the side. they have now been back in it. De Bruyne has been rested. We wondered if it was a bit of a fallout, but maybe it was just keeping keeping something in his legs to now hit this part of the season and uh, and say go up, slip up a couple of gears and uh, and uh, and uh, say cruise away a bit.
0: Last last season, to get... last season, Jack, to, from the from the start of the from Christmas to the start of the Champions League, Man City won thirteen matches and drew one out fourteen. Yeah, and then they went into the Champions League. That's what they try to do. They want to win the Champions League, but they—I read, I saw, I saw Guardiola a quote from him a few years ago. He said he wants to get as much of everything done before they get to the semifinals. So this is where they come strong. They come strong. Boom, 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 boom. You mm-hmm. got to remember, we haven't talked about fatigue from World Cups. You know, these players are going to be absolutely exhausted, and you know a lot of players in the Arsenal team, a lot of players in the Liverpool team, a lot of players in, are played in the World Cup, but they don't have the squad to replace them They're in key matches key, key main, games, whereas Man City could just replace everybody and it'd be no problem for them. But they do this every year, heading the Champions League, go on an unbelievable winning run and get everything sewn up and then try to hit the Champions League. They have never hit that Champions League, but they've usually done well and usually had the Premier League wrapped up at this crucial time.
1: Absolutely. We've been measuring them this season against the very high standards that they set. And, uh, and so it was natural to talk about a drop-off, but you know, they're still in a really strong position. And as you guys say, the best team in the league in terms of squad uh, abilities as well. So can't deny that. Um, The final game that we're going to look at uh, ahead of this weekend, uh, Jack, is the uh, derby of the overachievers, I guess you could call it, uh, this season. Sixth versus seventh in the Premier League. I didn't expect to be saying this at the start of the campaign, but Brighton take on Fulham. And uh, this could well be a very entertaining encounter.
2: I expect it to be. Yeah, it should well be. Um, these two sides are the top two sides in the league for both teams scoring in the fixtures. So that's the bet I've gone for. It's at minus one twenty two. I was surprised to see it at a really nice backable price. Um, and and sort of breaking the two sides down, as you rightly say, the biggest overachievers. Slightly different Brighton, obviously more established in the Premier League than Fulham's first season back. The perennial yo-yo side. Not this season. We expected them, me and Nigel both said at the start of the season, we probably expected them to be around about that mid-table and they've overachieved on that, done really, really well. And, and Brighton, well, once Potter went, we were, everyone was going, oh, you know, is that going to be the end of Brighton? Are they going to slide? Well, actually, for me, they've gone up another level or two under De Zerbe. Absolutely sensational. I was really looking forward to seeing De Zerbe coming into this league and he hasn't disappointed. He's been a breath of fresh air. The football he's been playing has been phenomenal. Uh, and some of the stats he's putting together are, are, are crazy. And I, I saw a piece by Sky Sports on, on it recently, which was some eye-opening um, some information and coming from the players within the ranks there at the moment. But the main stat at the moment is they're up to six in the league, just four points adrift of Spurs, but with two games in hand in that European place. So eyes certainly on that. And they're only six behind Newcastle with a game in hand. So, you know, close that gap to three and, you know, Champions League for Brighton, why not? You know, the way they're playing at the moment. Yeah, 1-1 draw with Palace last week. Another both teams to score, land in a course. Um, again, another side that were robbed by the VAR call, um, where it should have been in the first half. So they should have won that game. And so they they um, they kind of gift-wrapped the, 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 the points to, or the goal to Palace. But um, only one loss, uh, seven unbeaten in in all competitions now, just that one loss to um, Arsenal since the restart um, in a game where they more than contributed towards that as well. Seven of the nine games since that restart have seen both teams to score, which obviously highlights this particular bet. Um, and as I say, some of the, the stats that I've seen that the that Brighton are putting forward are absolutely phenomenal, um, certainly taking them up a level or two. They've had 70% possession in, in five of the 15 games under the Derby That's more than even Man City have done in that period of time as well. Um, only Arsenal have got more efficient passing than them. Um, they're in the top three for passes in the final third. Um, so all those kind of metrics that, that what they're doing, and we talked about it, we kind of mocked them a little bit for the XG, the data darlings and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, they've now got their midfield has scored more goals than any midfield in the league. So it shows you what the Zerbe's kind of put together and he's brought Solly March through and He's scoring goals for fun. He's kind of identified maybe where the problem is in that they weren't scoring goals, and that they didn't have the strike force to do it. Well, he's certainly, whatever he's done, he's got the midfield absolutely firing. And they're, they're, they're playing some sensational stuff, dominating games and creating lots of chances, scoring lots of goals. Um, and I uh, say they, they draw teams on, they like the high press, um, they're laying traps for teams. But this one's interesting for me against Fulham because Fulham have got that ability, unlike a lot of sides in this league, to be able to play a bit direct so they can bypass that to a certain extent. Obviously play it into Mitrovic. Um, and and hence why they've they've performed exact, very well for themselves. They're doing well. They got back to winning ways uh, last week uh, with the win over Forest. Scored twice in that one. Hit the bar three times as well though. So the interesting thing for me is they've done it without Mitrovic scoring goals. He's gone four games without a goal now. So for me it doesn't tend to go on much longer than that. So we expect him to be on the score sheet soon, but they're now getting contributions from around the the pitch. And it was interesting to see that Silva did say that he does rely on his wide players to score goals. He always has done in the teams that he's set up and he's now got that Pereira is playing well. Um, been very impressed with him. There's a fella out there on the left wing, Harry. I don't know if you recognize him. Um, he's playing quite well as well. Uh, William or something like that is his name. Willian, <laughs> does not look Ooh, like the that player that was at Arsenal, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, he's rolling back the years, playing proper, proper good football, um, scoring goals, creating assists. So, absolutely sensational stuff. But yeah, this looks like a real proper. Quality game, um, and so promises goals. There's been goals galore in Brighton games, Fulham of them coming to the party as well. Really, really impressive. They're good on the road, they won't go get over fear. They've had four wins in a draw from their last six road games. So, so they haven't got the worry of relegation, which many thought they possibly might have. They've got aspirations further up, they'll go out there and look to try and try and get the win. Um, and as I said, these two sides are the best two in the league for both teams to score. 13 of 21 Brighton games is seen. Both teams to score, that's 62%. 61% of Fulham games have seen both teams to score, that's 14 of 23. I was expecting odds about minus 150 here. As I said, we're getting minus 122. So for me, a good value play on this one. The reverse end of 2 1 to Fulham as well. All make ends for uh, both teams to score. Thriller at the Amex.
1: Brilliant stuff. Uh, let's summarize then the guys' picks. Uh, so let's start off uh, with Jack, who's gone for the early game in Aston Villa versus Arsenal, who's gone for Bukayo Saka uh, to have over 0.5 uh, shots on target. That'll be settled, of course, using the Octa data. That's at minus 113. Moving on to Brentford against Crystal Palace, both Nigel and Jack have gone for Brentford to win that one at minus 115. Uh, Nigel has gone with Wolves at minus uh, three-quarters of a goal versus Bournemouth. Uh, so Nigel, correct me if I'm wrong. If Wolves win by one, you get half your stake back. If yeah, Half Wolves the profit win, back. We, we, if, yeah, as long
0: as Wolves win, we're in, we're in profit.
1: Yeah, exactly. There you go. That one is uh, at minus 130. Uh, Nigel's also gone for Man City at minus one and a half. Uh, goals versus Nottingham Forest. That's at minus 110. Uh, Jack's other picks. Uh, come from the Wolves game. as He's got one in the Wolves game as well. Uh, Wolves, of course, in a mini parlay uh, to win the game, but also under four and a half goals. That's at minus 120. And then he's got both teams to score in the uh, derby of the overachievers, Brighton versus Fulham, and that's at minus 122. So those are the guys' picks. Um, those prices are all uh, correct at the time of recording. Uh, make sure you do check out the Bet Rivers website. Make sure you do follow uh, the handicappers handle over on Twitter at Because We Win and keep across all the brilliant content. Uh, anything from anyone to add before we say our goodbyes?
0: No, that's it, mate. Just keep following. Boys are doing really well. Get us up to. We want to get to a few thousand, three thousand followers on Twitter. So help us do that. That'd be great
1: yep and i I looked this morning not a million miles away i only need a few of you but the more the better uh, as Mm -hmm. it goes anyway subscribe to the bet rivers network make sure you're following on all platforms and we will see you soon with another edition of the podcast until then uh, good luck and uh, all the best thanks for listening to betting weekly english premier league on the bet rivers network